There was a man, his name was Saul. Saul was a man who had started out his life striving to be a man of God. Striving to be who God needed him to be. Saul stood as they grabbed a man who was teaching things that he thought were wrong. And they grabbed that man and they took him and they stoned that man. And Saul stood there holding their coats so that they could get a better throw. He sat there as they did this. He thought he was a man of God. He thought that he was the one that God had set apart to do amazing things. And he was right. But he was wrong. He was right in that God had a special anointing upon him. But he was wrong in what he was doing. Saul was on the road to Damascus one day. He'd gotten a letter and he'd asked that he could take this letter to the town of the to to Damascus and kill or take prisoner everybody that was teaching in a certain way. He's like, "I'm going to go and I'm going to do something for God. I love God." He just didn't know who God was. So he goes and on that road to Damascus, he encounters God. He is smacked in the face by a bright light that knocks him to the ground. It blinds him. And out of that, that, out of that, that light comes the words. He says, he says, let me find it. He says, who are you? Lord, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus. And with those words, all of a sudden, Saul's life began to change. Saul began to change who he was. God goes on to name him Paul. So I'll probably mess that up two or three times this morning. Deal with it. I'm going to try to say Saul, but I'm sure at least once a Paul is going to come out. I name a kid. Paul, so that name's kind of in my brain. But Saul is what he's called at this time. But his life's about to be changed. Everything that he thought was right is not. It's wrong. But he was seeking truth. We'll get there. If you would, open up to Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 7. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 7. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the sounds, but seeing no one. Then Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. So they took him by the hand and led him into into Damascus. He was unable to see for three days and did not eat or drink. Hurry up and wait. Hurry up! Get me to Damascus. And then he had to wait. You ever feel like your life's like that? Hurry up! 
We got to do this. Got to get there. Got to do it. And then you get there and you're like, oh, it's not started yet. Hurry up and wait. Saul was in the middle of a hurry up and wait moment. He'd been told to go to Damascus. He said the Lord had told him to go on to where you were headed and your answers will be there. Go on. Go on. (laughs) It was a waiting game at this point for Saul. He had to go through something. He had to go through a time of figuring out what's going on inside of him. He had to have that moment of waiting. He was ready to go on. He was ready to do the next thing. And God said, wait. This morning I was thinking about one of the times that I've hurried up and waited. It's always around airports. Y'all know I'm not about. Anybody ever flown anywhere? You've got to get there 17 days before you're supposed to fly out. And if you're not there by 12 o'clock on Tuesday, you cannot ride that plane on Thursday afternoon. That's what it feels like. We, were in, in, we went on a mission trip with a bunch of students to Venezuela one year. And we were running behind getting back to the airport to leave to go home from this really, really cool uh, experience that we had just had. And we rushed, and we were running up to the, to the plane uh, station. What do you call that? Gate? That's the word. Yeah. Good job. Y'all are, some of y'all listening. All right, cool. They ran up to, we ran up to the gate, and we were like, oh no, we're going to be late. We were going to hurry. We, we got everybody's little punch so we can go back to America. And America, God bless it. Go back to, don't you mock me. Y'all, y'all just lucky I can talk. I was born in Nashville, and they moved me to Alabama, and then they moved me to Tennessee, and then they moved me to West Virginia, and I found some shoes after I left, and now I'm back in Kentucky. Y'all lucky I can say words at all. (laughs) So, we ran to the airport. We got to the gate, man. And we were like, oh, we got to get off. Everybody stand. We had like, how many kids? We have like 20 students with us. We had like 20 students that we'd take into Venezuela. And uh, it was less than that. Well, it didn't matter. And we got them through the line. And we were all excited. We got on the plane. We were like, we're going home. It's going to be great. We start our ascent. And I start hearing the sound outside my window. You know what you don't want to hear in a plane? A sound outside your window. So all of a sudden, it starts going, it's like somebody has put a chihuahua in my engine. I don't know what's happening here. This is not right. And all of a sudden, <laughs> this is the greatest moment of my life. The, 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 the pilot comes over in Spanish. He goes, and then in English he says we must turn it around okay that sounds like you said the same thing twice so we do this hard bank and I look at my window, my window again that's not a good word what is happening to my English my window was, was right looking down on the water and as we turn and we were going back toward the water. I felt like, you ever been in a boat and the little water's right here? And you put your hand in there and go with the water. It's just fun. I felt like I could do that out the window of the plane. And I was like, all right, Lord, we're about to meet. 
I'm taking some kids with me. <laughs> Just won't have to worry about mad parents because I'll be with you. Uh, probably shouldn't tell this story before Puerto Rico. Sorry, parents. But it, it ended well. I'm still here. So we, we turned, we banked, and we, we came back down. And we had rushed to get on that plane. We'd pushed really hard to get to where we were going. And they let us off the plane. Actually, we, we, yeah, well, they let us off the plane. And we sat in a Venezuela airport for 24 hours. It was a horrible moment. We had hurried, hurried, hurried. And now it was time to wait. We waited there. They said they were going to fix the plane. And I was going, I'm not getting back on Chihuahua plane with my kids. You just need to know that up front. And we will, we will swim back to America if that's what we've got to do. I'm not putting these precious babies that these parents have given me back on a plane to deal with that. And they decided that was a good idea. So they had to get another plane. It showed up 24 hours later. I don't know where it was, but they might have just flown it around three or four times and brought me back the same one. I was okay. They were at least messing, trying to make me think right. Well, we turned off the lights because it was really just us there in the Venezuelan airport. They turned off all the lights and we were just sleeping and relaxing and, you know. Then they turned on the lights and we could hear the rats in the ceiling. When the lights came back on. Can I tell you something? Sometimes waiting's not great. Sometimes as you wait, you're thinking, Lord, just get this over with. Lord, I just want to get home. Lord, I just want this moment in my life to end. And I think that's where Saul was. Saul had been blinded by the one true God. He understood in that moment, oh my goodness, I'm not serving the one true God. I need to get to work. And God said, go wait. i got to do some stuff in you first. Go wait. It's not time for you to do your thing yet. Go wait. Go wait. In life, we can feel like we're always waiting for God to do something. That's usually because God needs us to be in a certain mental place before He can do a work. He's got to get us where we need to be so that He can do the work that, that needs to be done. Does that make sense, church? That's why you have to wait. Even when you don't want to. He's saying, wait. Just wait. I know we as a church are ready for the next step. I'm ready to sit down there again. Amen. I know. I get that. (laughs) Thank you, Mark. That's my brother. I'm ready. But we've got to wait. No matter how long it takes, we've got to wait. We've got to do what God leads us to do. Not what we want to do in pushing Him along. But wait. And that's what Saul had to do. For three days. Three days doesn't sound very long. It's amazing how God works. My knee that you can see me kind of hobbling back and forth a little bit with today uh, was real, real bad. Sunday night through Wednesday. Three days. And I tell you something, the worst three days in a long time in my life. I was at the point of, Lord, just, just do what you need to do. Let's end this thing. Get a saw, whatever we need to do, Lord. Let's end this thing. It hurts. I'm hurting. 
And that's where he was in this moment. He couldn't see. Three days is a really long time when you've got scales that have formed over your eyes and you can't see what's going on out there in life. You are waiting on God to do something. That's hard. It's really hard. At least it is for me. Hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. Let's keep going. There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. I love this. He goes, here I am, Lord. He was waiting for that call. I'm sorry, my baby. Ooh. Ooh. That child said, I'm out. I'll I, I tell her I'll talk softer when she gets back. Here I am. No, <laughs> That was just a commercial break because some of y'all were already asleep and needed a commercial break to wake you up. I'm watching you, Jared. All right. He said, here I am, Lord. Now we are introducing a new person into this event. The event of Paul's life, Saul's life. We are introducing a new person that we've never read about in the Bible before. We're introducing a new person that the only thing that we know about him was that he was a faithful disciple of God. He was a faithful disciple of Jesus. That's all we know about this guy up to this moment. But now, this guy is about to get called off the bench. He's about to have that moment of, I have been waiting. That's why if you'll see there in in most uh, Bibles, in all the Bibles, it's got an excited mark there. It's got an exclamation point. It's like, here I am, Lord. He's pumped. He'd been faithful in the little things. And now he was going to get a big thing. Church, be faithful in the little things. And the big things will come. Ananias had been a servant of God, serving other people, teaching anybody that would listen. And now he's being called off the bench to this great moment. Yes, Lord, I'm here. I've been waiting for the call. It's kind of like that pitcher who's been sitting in the bullpen just ready to thinking, I can help. I can do something in this moment. And he gets that call. Give me the righty or lefty. Bring him out. He's getting that call. It's that moment. If we'll do good in the small, he'll give us the large. Stay faithful in the small moments. And the other moments will come. Verse 11. Get up and go to the street. Called straight, the Lord said to him, to the house of Judas, and asked for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Since he is praying there in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come in, placing his hand on him and say, uh, can he regain, I'm sorry, placing his hand on him so he can regain his sight. Here we have a couple of things. We have a couple of things that are going on. God really didn't want Ananias to get lost. I love that. I love that he went, go down to Straight Street and go to that house. That's where your next mission is. Get up and go there. You know what? That's your life too, guys. you got directions too. It's called the Holy Word of God. If you will get into the Word of God, you won't wonder, how do I get to there? How do I get more like Him? How do I get this right in my life? The Word of God will tell you. If you'll just get into it. If you'll allow it to speak to your heart. He will do amazing things if you'll let Him. 
absolutely will do amazing things if you'll let him. He will direct your path. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. And that's what we're called to do. Follow his directions. We also get a little insight to what God had been doing with Saul for the last three days as he waited. He gave him hope that one day he would be healed in even how it would happen. He told him, there's a guy named Ananias who's coming to see you. Because, you know, sometimes we sit back and wonder, well, in those three days, what happened? He was seeking Jesus. And Jesus just said, wait a minute, just wait a minute. You know what? I'll even tell you how it's going to work. I'm going to send a man named Ananias to your house and he's going to touch you and bring your sight back. Just wait a minute. Just wait. It's coming. Church, just wait. It's coming. Just wait. It's coming. God did not put Grapevine Baptist Church here on this hill because it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Just say, yes, Lord. We have waited. We will wait as long as you lead us to wait. But God, we just need to know it's coming. Guess what? Church, it's coming. He speaks to your heart. Know it in your heart. It's coming. Something amazing is on the horizon. Something that only God can do is on the horizon. We just have to be ready for it. And we've got to be excited for it. And we've got to long for it like Saul longed for his vision. He couldn't see. And he said, I don't care what it takes. I'll wait. I'll wait. But God, I just want to see again. That's us. Just wait. And God will do something that only He can do. And then we go, yes, Lord. That was you. Yes, Lord, that was you. Saul has been told, he's gotten insight from God on what's happening and what's going to happen. He got insight into where he was headed. His children, I'm sorry, we know one day Jesus will be back. Did y'all know that? One day he's coming back. One day he's coming back. And you know what? I get tired of waiting for that day. I really got tired of it Monday or Sunday through Wednesday. I was like, Lord, today be a good day for the rapture. Bring it. I'm in. I have my leg hurt. Anxiously waiting. Saul was anxiously waiting. And now God's moving. Church, anxiously wait for that moment when Jesus breaks the sky. Wide open. And we ascend into heaven with our King. But the only way you're going to get there is if you're His. If you've never had that moment where you went, Jesus, come into my heart, make me new, save me from my sins, you're going to be going, where's everybody going? And you're still going to be here. Don't let another moment pass without asking Jesus into your life. Because life without Jesus is not worth living. It's just not. There's no hope. There's no peace. There's no fun. There's worldly fun. Let me just tell you something. I've had all kinds of fun. Ain't no fun like Jesus' fun. Ain't no fun like when the Lord shows up and does something. That's fun. 
when you when God when, you look at something and go, well, only God could have done that. You know what? Only God could have helped that plane from hitting the water. I feel as if there were angels holding on to both sides going like this. Holding on, trying to get that plane up. Can I tell you something that I didn't tell you a few minutes ago about that plane? As we were landing, where it was fire trucks lined up along the landing strip. And there were dudes sitting on those fire trucks doing this as we were landing. And I was like, that's a bad sign. This is not going to be a good day. We're in trouble here. And Jesus did something that only Jesus could do. He brought us through a storm, through a moment, and made it okay. Only God can do that. Be anxiously expecting Him. Be anxious about what He's going to do. Keep going. 13. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and has a, sorry, and he has authority here from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias knew who Saul was and why Saul was there. That's a scary moment, too. That's a very scary moment. When you know that somebody's there to kill you. That's his desire, is to take you out. You ever feel like God has laid something on your heart to do that you're not ready for? Ananias was having that moment. He's like, God, I don't want to do it. I don't think I'm ready to do it. And God said, boy, do it. Well, not to that part, but he does. He says, boy, do it. He says, Ananias is kind of having that whiny moment. Praise God he lets us. <laughs> don't you know? He doesn't have to. Did you know that? Do you know that you serve a God who could, as, as we learned in middle school, squish your head? You know, He could do that. He could easily take us out. And He could easily go, I'm God, do not question me. Shut up, little fat boy. That's what I feel like He says to me a lot. Uh, he could do that. But He allows me to have my moments of doubt. So that He can encourage me through it. Ananias is scared. Ananias is thinking, this is going to be a bad moment. He thinks, uh, I can't do this. There's no hope. But then God says, get up and do the work anyway. Then God says, get up and do the work anyway. Verse 25, I'm sorry, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to the Gentiles, kings and the Israelites. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Jesus said, okay. You've had your time. Get to work. I know you're scared. But I got this. But I got this. So quit doubting. Get up. And go. I think that's for all us today. It's okay to question. But when that time of questioning is over, get up. And go. Verse 17. So Ananias left and entered the house. There, Then he placed his hand on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road you were traveling has sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he, rec- he regained his strength. Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some days. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus and no doubt learned from them. 
Imagine what it would be like to say, I discipled Paul. That'd be really cool. Think about the Sunday school teachers of Billy Graham, D.L. Moody. Think about those guys who laid the foundations down for those guys that went out and did stuff. You see, the believers poured into Saul at this moment. Church, it's time to quit taking in and pour out. We got, we've got such a problem that most, most of you, I feel, probably don't even know going on in our church right now. We are struggling for Sunday school teachers in our children's department. We are truly struggling. This morning, God bless you, Millers. God, whew, God bless y'all, dude. They took all of our children into their Sunday school class except for your class too. I'm sorry. Yes, Ms. Haney was here too. Which one do you teach? Kindergarten and that, that, kindergarten. And did you have first with you this morning or just kindergarten? She had the kindergarten. They had one through six. It's time that we quit eating, church. We're getting fat. It's time that we push back that plate and said, it's time for me to pour out into somebody. It's time for me to disciple the next Billy Graham. How cool is that? How cool is it to stand before you and go, hey, you know what? You remember Brandon Holman? I was his youth pastor. And he's out there doing kingdom work. There's all kind of, we've got missionaries all over that have gone through our ministry. And I am so spiritually proud of what they're doing. I don't take pride in it, but it sure is cool to be the person that poured into them. It just really is. It's really cool to say that girl who started an orphanage in, what's that town? In Nicaragua. She was one of mine. That's really cool. That's really cool. I don't want you to lose that blessing. I don't want you to lose that blessing. Those men who poured into Saul, Ananias who poured into Saul, Ananias who said, yes, Lord. Wow. What a blessing in their life. Because they said, yes, Lord. It's time we get to work, church. We have to wait. Now quit waiting a little bit. Get to work. Get up. Find your niche. And dive in. Can I tell you something? I love you all. Just, just know that before I say this. I love every one of you. But none of your jobs is to sit in this room. I'm sorry. I, I, read the, I read through the Bible, and as I look, I don't see anywhere that it said, and an entire congregation sat there and stared at a fat man. I just don't read it. I just don't. I think it's very important that we are together as a church and that we grow together as a church. Absolutely one of the most important things we can do. But then we got to pour back out. Because if you get so full, you just can't do anything. We, that happened to us yesterday. Miranda, at the Grace Marriage Day, who has been pouring out since she's walked in this church, by the way, church. Did y'all know that? That girl steps up. And ministers. She has the spiritual gift of hospitality. And she pours it on y'all. But anyway, we yesterday, she poured it a little too heavy on me. And I was sitting there going, 
I can't even breathe. I'm so full. And I think that's where some of us are spiritually. Can't even breathe. You're so full. Let's get to work. Let's do the work that God's called us to do. That's just one of a thousand other ministry opportunities out there. Grapevine is full of opportunities. That one's just easy to see because we need disciplers. Please be a discipler. Please be a discipler. Please be who God's called you to be. Be a discipler. Immediately, go on to verse 20, we're going to be done. Well, almost. 20. Immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue. He is the Son of God. Saul immediately began to proclaim that Christ that had been perse- sorry, that he had been persecuting and declaring him the Son of God. When you're really changed, you can't sit there. You can't. If the living God has entered you, you gotta get to work. You just can't sit there. It's too hard. Some of us are thinking, you're wrong. It's hard to teach Sunday school. It's much harder to sit in here and not do what God's called you to do. Trust me. Because then He's got to do things like blind you to get your attention. Those aren't good moments. Get to work. Get to work. Saul immediately got up and got to work. 21. But... All who heard him were astounded and said, Isn't this the man who in Jerusalem was destroying those who called on this name? And then came here for the purpose of taking them as prisoners to the chief priests. But Saul grew more uh, capable and kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that this one is the Messiah. Saul... His entire life had led up to these moments. He was a Pharisee. He was well studied. And he wanted to serve God. He wanted to serve God. He just didn't know who God was. And then Jesus showed up. Then Jesus showed up. And he knew who God was. And who he wasn't. And he said, I'm going to get to work. So the question for today is, will you seek God? And will you be and do what Jesus calls you to do, regardless of your own desires? Will you get up? Will you get to work? Will you go as you've been called? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have called us to get to work as a church. That you've called us to continue the journey of walking with you. Lord, I ask right now, in this still and quiet moment, 